Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Geek Chat Roundtable. Round yeah, this is a, a thing that we're going to want to be doing with our new season, season four of the Geek Chat. Um, if you listen to this season three, which is our which is our last season, a lot of people really liked it, and we decided that we wanted to bring it back, and here it is. So uh, with me is I'm Desmond. I'm your host, and with me as always is my co-host. Oh me! Hello, I'm and, and, Rich. And, and that's nice to Rich. meet you. <laughs> oh, she's such a cheeky little bitch. Um, who's and, who's with us today? And with us today are our special guests who were with us uh, before, uh, Frank. Hello. And Terry. Lesbian agenda, Terry. Yeah, and you so will recognize Terry's name because she is our mistress of uh, the mix board that's right so that fantastical magical sound you heard at the beginning of the show was courtesy of terry thank you so thank much you. for doing it so um and everyone <laughs> yes claps uh and everyone loves your dosser tones so people are going to be very happy that you are back yeah and you're balancing desmond and i out yes. oh, okay great and then frank's just here I'm just here. <laughs> so we have an interesting uh we have an interesting um topic today. We do. A couple topics merged I, into one. Yes. So and I'm going to let my fantastical magical co-host Rich explain what we are going to be talking about. So the today's topic is going to be storytelling now and then and how events are being worked into it. How how do events shape how the big two cuz that's mostly what you know, we talk about how the how events shape what they're doing. And if you're caught up with news, you know that Marvel just went through Secret Wars and came back with um, a brand new Marvel that never really changed. And DC in it's June, all new, all different. it's the all new, all different <laughs> for now until we get some more adjectives. Uh, I wonder what the next one's going to be like. What what how do you go bigger than all new, all different? So it's different. T- uh, Totes new, yes. Totes, totes new, totes, totes different. new, totes different. You owe Frank for that too, Marvel, if you use it. Totes um, Frank. Totes so Frank. we know that, that DC is going to be going through Rebirth, which they've given us nothing about. So I sit and talk with customers in the store, and we were talking a couple weeks ago about like what what was your favorite story? You know, What made you fall in love with comics? And a lot of the stories were from the 70s and 80s and some 90s. And I got talking with people about the way they used to tell stories. And one of the examples would be, for the panel and for you guys listening, the way Chris Claremont used to write the X-Men in the 80s. It was one very long-form story where he would um, very often create new plot lines. Sometimes they would never get answered, but sometimes they would get answered in either you know six issues or 12 issues. Versus the stories now, which you really don't have any books running past, what would you guys say, 12 issues? What do you think is the longest issue a run has gone on in the new Marvel or DC universe? It hasn't been that long. Probably nine. Yeah, they seem to be always be changing. So I got thinking with our uh, distinguished panel here, storytelling. You know, um, what were some of you guys' favorite storylines 
from the past. Are you talking about arcs or are you talking about single stories? Either. Like what what well, what really made it? A storyline. Like for me growing up, like the Fall of the Mutants or even for the Teen Titans, um, the Trigon or uh, the Judas Contract. The Judas Contract was one of, my, I think, one of the best storylines for the Teen Titans. But you you couldn't have that now. It would be told different, I think. Okay. Uh, Jerry, Frank, you want to chime in and see which one? Oh, I guess going back, one of the earliest uh, ones would be probably the Kree Skrull War for me. Um, just because I was so in love with the Avengers back then. And um, there was the, um, there were little plot lines that were wound into it. So you had a big event, but then you had these, you had character development too. So you had like the, the romance between um, the Vision and the Scarlet Witch. You had the thing with Hawkeye uh, crushing out on her and then being devastated and then disappearing. You had Rick Jones you ha- and his relationship with Captain Marvel. So it was actually about relationships. And um, so the relationships were, were all tied into it and you got to see, it was like a musical piece. It was a, it was a symphony of characters interacting with each other and, um, and relating to each other. Uh, against the background of the Cree Scroll War uh, and whatever was going on with the uh, princess, what's her name, and Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel. I mean, it was it was gorgeous. And while it, because there were a changeover of different artists, it was a little bit flawed. Um, like I wish Neil Adams could have done the whole thing. Um, but still, it ended up being a beautiful piece, and that to me is is one of my favorites. Okay, Frank. Um, well, so I came to uh, comics in kind of a weird roundabout way. I started with uh, GI Joe, having uh, watched the cartoon growing up, and so uh, one of the things that struck me was uh, I got into that just around issue a few before issue one hundred, and. Uh, you know, I was seeing editor's notes calling back to events that happened in like issue 20. And I was like, wow, like they're really digging deep into continuity. That's cool. That definitely excited me. And you don't really see too much of that anymore. But um, <clears throat> so I from there, I started getting into uh, more of Marvel mainstream stuff. I, the first two books I started picking up were Daredevil and Silver Surfer, totally just based off of the covers. And again, like you, I picked up Daredevil. I started reading that. And it was uh, towards the end of uh, Anne Nocenti's run. And again, like I was just being struck by how much continuity they were including. There was references to stuff that had happened, you know, like two or three writers before her, and uh, and then that was back in the day where, you know, you would you would have the a writer switch wouldn't necessarily necessitate a completely new direction for a character. Um, the next writer would pick up from where that writer left off, and like the you know issue by issue, the story continued to build. And there wasn't like a they would an arc was more of an event at that time than. Uh, something that happened every six issues. Like the, I remember, uh, the one of the first big Daredevil or uh, arcs they had was a. Uh, um, oh man, I'm forgetting it now. It was uh, it was and one of the ones where like it was time to like tear Daredevil Daredevil down and then build him back up again. And that was like an event. And then after that, it just went back to business as normal. And he was you know, issue by issue, story by story, he was doing his thing. Silver Surfer. When I picked that up. Uh, it was just starting to set up the Infinity Gauntlet stuff, and so I got very excited about that, and that like led me to my first event, and that was the, all the excitement that went into that. But 
in reading that, you know, it was still mostly about the Silver Surfer dealing with Thanos, kind of trying to get back to Earth and warn everyone that he was coming. Um, but the story progressed and there wasn't an end to that story. It just kind of led into Infinity Gauntlet, which led into the next thing for Silver Surfer. And that was it. There were no, you know, like hard ends to a story. Yeah, we're going to bring up a couple of the points you made later because you made some great ones about especially new writers because a new writer comes on doesn't mean that everything has to change gears new number one so yeah des well uh, the one the one that i have that i really enjoyed um which is a single standalone story and i talk about this story all the time it's a uh, wounded wolf i think it was at uncanny X, or just x-men uh 204 that um Chris Claremont wrote about Wolverine introduced uh, Lady Deathstrike and it the had, Body Shop. Yeah, the Body Shop oh, had Katie Power and all that. Barry Windsor just, Smith. That just for me, that is a perfect story. And one shot story. Yeah, it was a perfect one shot story, and I was just like, but as a number, wow. huh? But as a number. But as a number, it just—I mean, it was just this standalone tale about revenge and and Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike and just showing the people's lengths to I mean it was it was literally just a Wolverine it was just a revenge tale um for Wolverine. Wolverine yeah Wolverine and actually starring Lady Deathstrike because he mostly grunted until the end um <laughs> and Katie Power trying to keep him safe so it was really it was just in the Reavers and just it was just a fantastic story uh just a perfect culmination of art and uh, and word. It was just really strong. If you haven't read it, I sh- it's really a quick read, even for Claire- Chris Claremont. So <laughs> just you should really ch- check it out. No, no shit. You should check it out. It's really good. Um, for the a long form art arc, and you guys are gonna be like very. It, it's it's very interesting because it just popped into my head. So I've been a huge fan of DNA, uh, Dandy, uh, Abbott, and um, uh, I never said it. it's. Um, what's the first one? Uh, Abnett and Lanning. Yeah, thank you. The DNA run of uh, Legionnaires and uh, Legion of yeah. Superheroes when it started with the uh, Legion of the Damned, and then their whole arc from from having what happened to earth and the the legion of the dam with the blight and then their arc and their trajectory for that whole for the legion of superheroes was fantastic i mean people talk about uh various um uh legion years or or sagas or or uh eras and for me that was mine you know it introduced me to um Introduced me to, to them, DNA. It introduced me to one of my favorite artists from for, for forever, uh, uh, Olivier Coppel. And it just just to watch his art change from from that to what he's doing now, and then watching DNA change from that, and then going into uh, Marvel and doing the same thing with their cosmic line was just fantastic. I mean, that whole run from um, from Legion of the Damned to Legion Lost to Legion World, even to the new uh, Legion series that started after that came out of all that was fantastic. I, I, if you haven't read their run of Legion, you should pick it up. Unfortunately, and most it's, likely in the dollar it's bin. It's out of print. Yeah, a lot yeah, of it's you, out of print. Yeah, you can pick it up in the dollar bin, but it is definitely worth it. It was really good. So really, the thing really good. they all have in common 
is they're older and it was before the constant reboots um and especially that that claremont issue so you were talking frank was talking about um the way they used to dig into continuity and the way storytelling used to rely on what came before now many times that was seen as something that was really bad because you've got you know people would say well it's scaring new readers because they've got to go through all these years of history which that brings something to it but the things changed in the 90s we we saw a different kind of writing we saw more of a decompressed kind of storytelling um and then people would were told they were writing for the trade. So a lot of the storylines towards the end of the 90s, especially the, the I don't want to say bad 90s. I enjoyed the 90s stuff, a lot of it. But you could see the way the storytelling and the art especially for DC, they were just putting stories to put stories out there. And they still had their history and they still had their connecting, you know, the connective tissue. And then we hit the 2000s with, um, so I say it was House of M was the real game changer. You said you thought it would be, which one? Frank you know, said. I, I also said House of, but House of M and even right before that, the Avengers Disassembled. The Avengers Disassembled was the first one for the Avengers line, which really led Marvel to their uh, House of M. And House of M really changed the way Marvel, what? Don't beat on the table. Oh, House of M really <laughs> changed the way um, Marvel tells stories now because it seems every year since, except for 2009, <laughs> they've had a line-wide event. In 2009, they still had events going on, but they were they were more titles. Actually, that was 2010. 2010. 2009, 2009, they had uh, Fear Itself. Fear Itself. Are you serious? That was that long ago? Yes. God. God. So, <laughs> I swear to God, comic books just, it, the way uh, it compresses time like yep. that. Meanwhile, so, it's been like so, six months of Marvel time. I know. Why don't you, do, not everybody knows what you mean by decompressed. All right. So decompressed storytelling is when a writer will focus on visuals or, a, you know, character interactions to to tell the story. And it's more like a slow moving part. And it's when... You're reading a book and you read like three or four issues and you feel like this could have been told in one issue. And we have a couple names that, that are, they're known for this. I don't want to call them out, but we will. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis has been known for padding. Um, and then there's also writing for the trade, which they started to do. And a lot of people years ago got accused of writing for the trade. It's when you write six issues or so for, and, you could feel that it's going to wrap up. So you feel like issue one is the beginning, issue three is the middle, and then the resolution comes by six. And then there's compression, which is telling a story in two to three issues. Uh, and I feel right now, a lot of the Marvel books, they've gone through all these different styles. And right now, when you read a lot of their books, they are writing very compressed stories because some of the issues are one or two, three issue arcs. And then Frank pointed out that, yeah, because they're waiting for the next big event, which kind of feels true, especially in some of the books. When you read the taglines now, it's uh, the Battle for Pleasant Hill is leading up to, you know, you're, you're getting all this stuff that's leading up to. So my question for you guys here is, do you really think that the way they're telling their stories 
Marvel, I'll say Marvel because DC is not doing this. We'll talk about DC different. But the way Marvel is writing their stories now for their storytelling, do you feel they're telling stories or they're telling filler for the next event? Well, I mean, there've always been like two or three story arcs. Like I th- I think about um before the Kree Scroll War, there was um uh two or three issues with uh, based around Red Wolf and the introduction of Red Wolf there was the um, the well, Zodiac that's thing. what they used to do right and then they went away from that and they're really telling so they used to tell we went through I have a huge list of things the way they used to do their their events used to be line wide so it would be all the X-Men or all the Avengers but now now that their events are line wide do you feel that the, the books you're reading right now in the last couple of years, do you think there's been value stories in them or do you think they're just waiting or they're I, leading into? I feel like I'm constantly waiting for a shoe to drop. Like I don't want to get too attached to a storyline because it just feels like um, that's going to get whipped out in a, uh, a couple of issues. Like, uh, do you remember when Howard the Duck was going along and at the end it had this big panel, this big one-page thing that said, thanks, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're going on hiatus and then we'll be Secret a new Wars. number one. <laughs> thanks, Hickman. You know, it feels like that. And yeah. it feels like that as a as a buyer, I it really makes me hesitant to read certain books. Like, I don't, like, I really didn't want to get into Secret Wars because I really felt like, why should I get attached to this? It's all going to go up in the air and I'll have to start over in October anyway. I ended up liking Secret Wars, but I, you know, and I'm, I'm an avid buyer. I'm, I'm here every, every, every month and I just, I'm afraid to get into it. I, God knows what a regular buyer is going to be like. <laughs> so do you think that that, do you think that hurts or, I mean, it does, it hurts them going into the next phase because you're not expect you'd have no clue what to expect. Right. Well, and I think it hurts the writers too because they're not really getting a chance to do what they're being paid to do, which is to tell a story because their stories are having to like squeeze in between events. And so when you have something like that happening, you really only have a few issues at this point before the next one starts and it's really hard to, you know, create a long form story that way. I mean, even if you, especially because you don't even know what's going to be, what the status quo is going to be on the other side of that event as you're planning your own books, waiting up for that event to start. Because I think for most of these writers, aside from the writer's retreats, they don't know the intricate details of what Secret Wars was going to end up being. You know, they know certain, they're, they're given certain information, but they like, I, I would imagine a lot of the writers didn't know the fate of the Fantastic Four before the end of Secret Wars. And so, you know, they're having to tiptoe around that and they're like, okay, well, we just know that we can't use these characters right now because X is going to happen. I feel like that's how Extraordinary X-Men, all those number ones, <clears throat> were tiptoeing. Yes. But, yeah, Frank, do you, but Frank, do you think that they're really doing that, though? That they're really, um, what was your original question? That they were really writing for the, um, it's all decompressed. The lead-in. Well, no, do yeah. you think that they're writing for a lead-in? Do you think they're they're able to well, tell I their stories? The question. I, no, think, no. I, think certain, I think certain books are. Like, say, uh, um, Ms. Marvel, they're going to tell their story, and they know that that character's not going away. Right. So they're she, like, you know, that book's going to be able to tell the story that it wants to tell. Um, something, like, that's more isolated, like a Daredevil, the same thing. You know, like, 
whatever happens to the Avengers, Daredevil's still going to be there, so they can tell a longer story, and you can tell that that writer's you know seeding things that they're planning to hit in another like four or five, six issues. Whereas if you read uh, any of the Avengers books that have come out, the number ones, they're all very short stories, and there's nothing left behind at the end of that three issue arc. There's no like plot threads to be picked up later. There's a few character moments, but aside from that, I didn't really feel like there's anything like that. That book could end at issue three, and I'd be like, oh, well, I guess that's it. You know, that was the ultimates. Two issues. But that's what I mean, though. I mean, that's that's what's different for me. Um, I didn't. I think the last real book or series to do what you're saying and not actually be um, this sort of right for the trade was all that lead in that Hickman did for Secret Wars. You know, that was like a two year span of setting up. Well, longer if you count his yeah. Fantastic Four stuff. Exactly. Longer. So that's I mean, that's kind of counter what we're, we're talking about a little bit. But even in those, there were little things that were written specifically for uh, trade type of thing, you know. And I think that's the thing that I miss most of all, you know, picking back on what Frank said is. I miss the plot threads. I miss the, mm. um, you know, meanwhile, back in Gotham, you right, know, yeah. you see you see a shady figure doing some bullshit and then you for like a half a page and then you go back to do something else. And then and then uh, next issue, you get a little more of meanwhile, back in Bloodhaven, you know, you get a little bit more and then and then, you know, three or four issues of that. And then, boom, the guy's there and you're like, what? I have to deal with this. What? And the superheroes <laughs> like, no. And well, so- aren't they kind of doing that with the the vision in all new Avengers? Like there's he's uh, acting yeah. weird with Nova. Like, kind of molesty or something i mean it's just very weird <laughs> you know he's, yeah. you know yeah. and it's like it feels like and this is mark wade so he's he's a writer who knows how to do plot yeah mm-hmm. so it feels like that could be building up like that is a plot thread but it also wouldn't surprise me to have it dropped for so, for a new whatever. speaking of mark wade like this his last uh that last daredevil run after they reset the number one on him um, he did exactly that. He had a an opening story with the owl, and something weird happened, and the, to hit to the owl, and then he was just gone for a while, and they just kept going with the stories. And then every once in a while, they check in and they'd get a little hint of something still going on with him. And then it all came together in his uh, final arc. Yep, like the I owl came back that. in, and mm-hmm. yeah, love yep. that. Mm-hmm. See, and that's that's for me. That's great. You know, that's how you can tell this long form story and have. Little things happen. Same thing with Hawkeye. Uh, Matt Fraction's run with Hawkeye. You know, it was super hipstery, but that, I mean, he showed a continuity that existed within that story. And every now and then he'd write about what weird thing he did with the Avengers. But it, but at the end of the day, it was very specific to that book. And I think that's one of the things that, that is a problem is, is, is you have these moneymaker books and then you have the side books, you know, and it's the moneymaker books that pay for the side books. And the company can't do that anymore. Like, you can't have X-Men, uh, Chris Claremont, you know, doing his X-Men stuff, and then Peter David doing his Hulk stuff. You know, you just can't do that anymore. You Which know? is a shame because why? both were great. I know why. Yeah. <laughs> why? Because that's actually what I'm talking to because a lot pe- of people. That's what they want. But people are not, uh, whatever reason, for whatever reason, I don't know if Marvel 
sees that because of their whatever money they have to make or Disney or whatever, you know, it's it's either dollar signs or whatnot. It's just it's it, they're becoming dollar signs or zeros is basically well, no, because it's the movies. Well, yeah, the movies. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So, you know, that's why these movies are, are really starting to drive how a lot of this stuff is interpreted. That's sad. You know, that's that's what's happening. You know, now, do you think that's the rise of image? Do you think that that's why they're doing so well? It's because people want... I mean, it's a whole other section, but I think it's funny that DC's about to do what you just said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most so definitely. they're finally got it that they're going to be lining up their stuff now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they have to They have to kind of follow up. I think DC just sees the writings on the wall. They got to change. Like, the, the, the ship is sinking. You can't be... A few somethings. Yeah, you, 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 can't, you can't be standing on a on a... On a sinking ship, telling everyone it will be fine, we'll be fine, and we'll be fine as people are jumping out the ship and getting lifeboats and. And well, for they've people, they've been out. doing that for a couple they of have. years now. And all you know, for for people, I was accused um, of not liking DC, and that's why I'm so hard on them. And my response to the person was, "I speak by facts. All you have to do is look at the market share and look at their numbers to see." I'm not making this stuff up. It's not because I hate DC. I don't. I love DC. I want them to do better. Uh-huh. But they're they're literally, like you said, they are sinking. Which is going to bring me to my next question for you guys. So online, when they announced DC's rebirth, there's a lot of people, a lot of fans, and not fans, just people on the internet saying, <laughs> you know, well, it's a good chance to jump off or Marvel's been doing it. So my question for you guys is going to be, do you think that DC and Marvel has some fault for readers jumping off because of constant reboot relaunches? Or do you think that the number ones gain new readers that balances it out? What do you think? I think uh, it's a little bit of both, honestly. You know, I think you have to think every new number one is going to guarantee a certain amount of eyeballs on it. And if and if people are if, if DC is saying if we have three ninety nine at our price point and we have X-Men and we have three X-Men books and everyone's going to get them, you know, buy those number ones, then it'll make, you know, a lesser selling book go a little bit easier. You know, because that's the thing. It's like this. You know what it is? It's like this constant shock they're they're sending through the um, the economy of comic books. You know, and, and when I say comic economy of economic books, I'm not just talking about the money. I'm talking about the readers, the creators, uh, the people who blog, everything. The, the the whole comic industry, the that whole economy is being shocked every time there's a new number one. And I think that what we're feeling is a as readers especially long-term readers is we're feeling a fatigue of constantly being shocked over and over and over and over again it's like why do we need a number new number one why do we need this you know and so constant so so continuous fans who have been reading for a long time are like no i'm already invested i'm gonna stick around okay but we are not the driving force for whatever reason for the money for whatever for, reason that we've put them where they are at yeah. this point they they're, they're not seeing that or they're not feeling it or they're not hearing it or whatever you know or, or or the hollywood money is is really big or the or the or the major studios like warner brothers or disney that owns them is saying we need more you, we need more we need you to do more we need asses in seats or we need we need 
Eyes on pages. I don't think they care about eyes on pages. I feel like the... Um, I think they do. I mean, we've seen the cinematic kind of influence in storytelling in general, but I think that uh, that influence also shows just in the fact that, you know, they're now looking at events as like it's the summer blockbuster. It's like the popcorn that you have for summer. It's when all the big movies come out. It's when you want your big comics to come out. And then, exactly. you've, then you're supposed to have that like kind of like winter where everyone gets a chance to tell like one or two arcs before the next big exactly. Then don't. Then I out. think they should not have. Then make it a, an event book, but stop messing with the other books. I mean, this is short-term thinking, though, because you can only shock a system so many times yep. before the system goes numb and dies. I mean, if you look at it like the way, like brain and epinephrine or what, what, whatever, you can only put in so much until it stops responding. And I'm, I'm stopping, as a reader, I am stopping responding. I will pick up a number one if it's about a character that I care about because I'm hoping against hope that they're going to write that character the way that I want to see it written. But usually what's going to happen is I'm going to drop it in a couple of issues because that character is not going to, that character is being thrown a writer who's not uh, good uh, or, or can't be allowed to tell a story. Uh, What they really need is good writers good writers who are actually excited about what they're doing and they want to take a story somewhere which you know look at the new vision book and i i didn't want to get it but they kept me because they are writing a very interesting uh story arc so go ahead i was gonna say i i feel like uh event fatigue is probably the wrong word and it's the one that gets tossed around a lot because i think you know we get excited about these events because you know they especially if they have a good story hook they can be very interesting and you know, make for some an interesting new universe on the way out. I think it's more of it's the frequency that we're being exhausted by, not necessarily the fact that these events are happening. Because every time, like most of the events that Marvel has done, I mean, the storytelling has been great, and you can tell that like there's the points where you know, like okay, well that's that part's being thrown into the story because they need to set up this character's status quo on the other end of the this event. But I mean, the for the most part, I would say maybe like original sin was a kind of a, a miss for me. No, Axis yeah. started really great, and then that went kind of south. But I mean, they going into them, they've all got like really solid, like interesting ideas behind them. It's just that when there's back to back, and and in the last uh, few years, we've had you know status quo changing events twice a year with Marvel. We had uh, what was it? Uh, 2013 was. Uh, Oh man! Well, fourteen was original sin and Axis, and uh, two thousand thirteen, which uh, I can't find my notes, but um, and both of those events, I only read a couple of issues of, and it's like I can't afford this. Yeah. I that read them: Age of Ultron and then Infinity back to back. Neither one. I mean, Infinity set up uh, Thanos. Yeah, but Age of Ultron did nothing. It really didn't. <laughs> It really Original didn't. Sin really didn't do a thing, except it killed uh, Nick Fury, Fury and put Bucky on the wall, which removing that character well, when he's coming out. Age of out, Ultron did, though, because that's what set up the like the time break. The, the time break and everything. But it totally. took all that for a time break. But think yeah. about it like this, though. If we're, if we're, but if we're looking at it at a monetary, in a monetary way, I mean, think about it. You, it, it It's sort of like Black Friday, you know, and I think comic book industries or or can look at that and say, okay, you know, we know our revenue is going to be high in the summertime because that's when we're going to have our, our event. Then we're, then we're going to have a slew of new number ones that people are going to try 
You know, some people are going to. Most people are going to. We're going to try. Then we're going to ride that out for a little while. You know, keep the ones that we like that are selling well or, or have some kind of a fan favorite, possibly. You know, and then we're going to lay seeds for our next event. It's going to die down and then the cycle starts up yeah. again. So it's these it's these waves. So it's for me, if it's I think what it ha- what it used to be is in the past it was the opposite. It was these it was much more creator driven mm-hmm. uh storytelling and and now it is money-driven storytelling. Yeah, like a great example of that would be Infinity Gauntlet spun out of Jim Starlin just, you know, writing the hell out of Silver Surfer and coming up with ideas. A character he was passionate about. Yeah, and and that and the story became bigger and bigger till well, they realized, whoa, this is actually going to be, this, yeah. this could affect everything. And yeah, people are reading it. Versus, and I would say maybe Hickman would be on the same thing. I don't think he was necessarily like envisioning Secret Wars at the end of the whole thing when he started writing Fantastic Four. Oh, I read, I, think I, I read that he that. was. I read that he was that he wanted. He started out wanting to do Secret Wars, but it wasn't as Secret Wars as it was. It wasn't no. as big as it was. But he was yeah. thinking about a smaller one, right? You know, and what you've all just said is what Terry said. Terry said it. Good writers. Now here's the problem: you can have an amazing writer, but you have the editorial mandates that come down as to how to, they dictate where your story's going to go. And I think that. I miss the days of them just being able to tell stories. And I'm going to keep going back to it because one of the greatest things was either Marv Wolfman writing or uh, yeah, writing Teen Titans. He was given free reign Mm -hmm. and Chris Claremont back in the day and Peter David and Peter David. And I have Peter David down because wasn't Peter David the writer that didn't want to do crossovers. He hated crossovers. And on the last run of X Factor, he did. And he got stuck with one crossover and it was Secret Invasion. Mm -hmm. And that I feel was the bump that took his train off because the book ended shortly after that. Yeah, Yeah, he didn't want to do that stuff. I mean, he... And most people were allowed to do that. And I think, you know, Peter David, uh, because he is a great storyteller, is one of those people that that is left harmless. I think him, Chris Claremont, a couple other people are just, you know, there's those people that are like, okay, Chris wants to tell a story. That's fine. You know, or or uh, Peter David wants to tell a story. Okay, that's fine. You know, because I think Peter David just has a track record to do that. Mm -hmm. Peter David tells solid stories you know the the closest thing we can get to a solid like beginning middle and end of a of a story arc is his x-factor run like seriously when he relaunched x-factor not i'm not talking about when they were with several or whatever the other place when they, when they had the green <laughs> no, you're talking about when it started with madrox exactly. and it was the miniseries mm-hmm. where he won the lottery or won a game show whatever it was yep it's and a Marvel then, Knights book that, that that was supposed to only be six that. issues. Yeah, that's six yep. issues, and that was it. And people were they loved it, and and from that he was able to move on and do what he needed to do to get you know that book going. That's a good storyteller with no editorial mandate. And then what Frank said about Daredevil, how something would happen, they would keep the numbering, but it'd be a new writer, new artist. Now it seems we every new writer. Has, has to, be, to have a new number one. Yeah, Terry yeah. has to have a new number one yeah. to show. Hey, look, this writer now. A lot of comic book fans don't really go by writers, so this new number one is just going to be uh, okay. Like, what's the deal? Everyone's mm-hmm. a, everyone's a superstar too now. You notice that? 
young gun, superstar, new writer, you know, these, these people are rock stars in certain, in certain areas due to their Twitter followers, mm-hmm. their Facebook Ooh. and the, and the amount of exposure. What? They get. Up, serious. what? Oh no, no, no. I'm okay. not, I'm not going to talk about my Twitter feud. Okay. Um, <laughs> see, I mean, <laughs> and then Terry brought up something about, so one of my retailer friends uh, brought up a great point about the Hanna-Barbera stuff in mm. that the number ones, I'm even, I'm going to sell the hell out of these number ones. I know I am. I'm going to buy one. My problem is the number three, the number four, the number five. By the number five, it is shown. Most of these things crash and burn. So having they, a new number one is going to be great for the... But, the to but, be seen. But come on, that's perfect though, isn't it? Well, and in the... Um, no. But that's not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> no, no, no. You're but- supposed to... The whole idea of relaunching a book, and I'll tell you what did it, is what book do I talk about on Facebook all the time? Uh, well, I talk about Batgirl. Me, what? Let me finish my point real quick. Okay. That system works in, in the way that the, the ebb and flow of how the comic book economy works now. I know, but it's not supposed to. It, you, it shouldn't <clears> be <throat> looking at that way. But that's what I'm telling you. That's why it's it's a different coin now. It, it's the opposite side. It's it's moved. It, but it, stories told by money, not by writers. But here's the thing: if people want this to stop, are should they keep reading a book like Omega Men? We talked about this before. Poor Omega yeah. Men was given brand new. It was part of that DCU thing. Right. And it was supposed to be 12 issues, and then it got to six. Got cut to six right away. Outcry, up the wazoo. People were twittering. They were so pissed off. Okay, DC said, we're going to make it 12. And the sales, it's selling below, I think the last time I looked, it was below 9,000. 9,000 copies. That isn't even every comic book store in America ordering one. Like, those are the hardcore numbers. So when Marvel or DC, we're going to talk about Marvel. Marvel relaunched all these new books. Frank, I remember you and I sitting down going mm-hmm. over them all because there were so many. many. Now, as a reader, when you looked at that, how do you make your decisions? Um, I went by first characters that I... I like and I want to follow and I want to see what they're doing with those characters now. And then also I was making my decisions based on who was writing and who was drawing. Terry? Exactly the same. I mean, I I, I really, really didn't think The Vision or The Scarlet Witch were going to be good books. But because I love those characters, I bought them. I'm loving The Vision book. Scarlet Witch book is not as horrible as I thought it would be. <laughs> um, but that's it. I'm, I'm loyal to characters. Well, you're also kind of loyal to writers, too. Oh, very much so, yes. And that's a big thing. All three of you are really loyal to writers. And that does make a decision. Oh, or yeah. That does help in your decision when you when you read these. I've so, picked up books that I don't know anything about the characters because of who's writing it. Wow. Yes. Oh, you asked me about... Well, I'm happy to tell you that the next issue of Karnak got delayed again. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, what do you think? I do the same. Although I'm much more, it's funny, I'm much more interested in taking a chance on an image or a Valiant book than I am on a Marvel book. Why? Because I think that they're much more, um, I think that the image, yeah, for image, it's, I think the image, you're getting that old school kind of thought, editorial versus uh, dollars. 
Um, no. Writer, sorry. Writer versus dollars. Editorial. Yeah. Yeah, not editorial, because I don't think it's editorial's fault when they're when they're just trying to follow the mandate that they need to make, their product needs to make money. Uh, because I just think that the way they're doing it needs to change, because the, because the system that 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 it is now is not sustainable i think what makes image so uh attractive especially like these days to so many readers is that you don't have to worry about the crossovers you don't have to worry about what's gonna what's gonna derail or change this uh the writer's direction the it's it's entirely writer the writer's decision what's gonna happen to that character and same with dark horse too and but that's why i really love um like invincible uh robert kirkham I mean, that is a fantastic superhero story that has been written by one person drawn only by two people. For 122 um, issues? 23. Yeah. 23 issues. Yeah. And Walking Dead, has, same boat. Yeah. And he has, but but as far as for, for superheroes, uh, because I think there's a bit difference between superhero comics versus all the other genre comics, because True. superheroes, for whatever reason, is just... Marvel DC. Its own, it's its own entity yep. in and itself. Aside from all the other genres for horror, science fiction, whatever. I don't know. Superheroes is just wow. Um, but to have that book be written by one person and still have a, a, a history with a little bit of spinoffs. Uh, Amazing Wolfman didn't work. You know, Tech Jacket didn't work. But he has this huge thing, this living you know, uh, world that he created. And it is beautiful. And I'm just like... I really wish more people would read that book because that is what I'm mm. missing from a story mm-hmm. teller mm-hmm. myself. And that's why I'm so passionate about that book. Um, same thing with Fables. And uh, unfortunately, Fables is gone. But but Fables is, is different because it's not superhero. Right. You know? Right. And that falls into that separate, that, that secondary thing. Because same thing with Sandman. You know, those books and Vertigo books, that, that that's... Unfortunately, they fit a niche market. BDRP, you know, uh, they're the, almost a superhero book. That's the funny. See, that's funny. They they tip that they walk that fine line between kind of macabre horror, and horror but they're super. They really are. They that's are a, superheroes. That's, that's a fucking superhero team. Yeah, you know, guy but, in an iron suit, man. I mean, <laughs> it's it's for for me that's genre breaking. And mm-hmm. the fact that they're able to do that. And I really want to go back and read some of those because I was such a diehard Hellboy fan. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really expand the world that much. But I was just oh, like, you better. know what? After hearing you speak about it, I was like, okay, I really want to go back and read those books now. You know? But that's why, and I agree with you, Frank, that Image is, is, is you can get a $10 book and get an actual story. And if you like it, you can keep going. I think that's why Saga is like that, you know? Um, now, Image just said, Eric Stevenson, the, the publisher of Image, wants to be the number one comics, you know, publisher. Well, In this, uh, I think that Gotta if, get some more movie money. If <laughs> That's true. Um, Wicked with, and Divine. Right. With the way the, the... We're looking right now. So, it's February... And we know that Marvel has three events coming up uh. <laughs> as the groan comes. Only one line-wide event. Only one line event, yes. Um, the two, hold on, what are the two other ones? Right. So there's the... Standoff? Um, Battle of Pleasant Hill, which leads into Standoff, which are is they the Avengers destroy Conquer? stuff. So <laughs> standoff leads into Secret Wars, though, right? No, no, no. no Secret no, no. Wars is done. Civil, Civil War. War. Oh my God, Civil, Civil War. War. Finally, the, it ended. Oh and God. then you might know, right... <laughs> 
And then the X-Men. So I think they're going back to the 80s when they had their smaller ones. Because the X-Men I can live with are getting the apocalypse because the movie's coming. Although with that one's even interesting too because that's going to more of a, like what I was talking to, telling you earlier about the idea of them having like this an umbrella theme where there's multiple books existing under this theme that don't necessarily have to tie in that together. So yes. They did that really well with uh, Dark Reign. And that's what these, all three of the X-Men books, they're all apocalypse stories, but none of them are related. Correct. And I like that. I don't mind yeah. that you don't have to read. You can sit and read um, Uncanny and not have to worry about they, reading. They did that on Realm, Realm of Kings also. Oh, Realm of See, Kings was so good. But but I think that's interesting because I think in, in that instance, Marvel was, was wanting to tell stories about their characters dealing with this new reality that they all existed in. Yeah. Okay? Yes. And I think that they were okay with that. That I don't... I that's, don't think that's what that, I would love after every event exactly. for a good like you know nine to twelve months. But but that's they're not interested in telling those stories because they I think the reason why they did that was because they knew that that was going to end. Dark Reign was going to end, and then you know Norman was going. Heroes to Reborn, Heroes not Heroes Reborn. What are the uh, Heroes? Heroic Age. Heroic yeah, Age. So so they knew that that was going to happen. So that was all planned. Mm-hmm. But I really wish that they could just do that normally well, and, and not have it tied to an event. That was, if you remember, the uh, right after Heroic Age started, they had that one uh, issue of Avengers where they had that map that basically told everything that was going to happen to Secret Wars. Do you remember there was that yep. big double-page splash? It was like Tony Stark on the chalkboard, and it yep. was just everything that happened in Marvel, X-Men, Cosmic, Avengers lines, all of that was all on that map. It was kind of amazing, and they that was, part of, that was kind of like the roadmap of the Heroic Age into what came after. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Didn't yeah. read it. So <laughs> Terry was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, for storylines now, I asked you what you guys liked from the past. What in the last, how far back do we want to go? 10 years? 10 years maybe? 10 years is a long time. Maybe yeah. five years. What? But what sticks out? We so talk from, about From events. 2015 well, to 2000 and Whatever's in your head for 10? the last. Since, why don't we say since House of M? We've all read since House of M. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Has there been anything that you guys can say? Oh my God! I thought that was amazing. That was a story that I think will hold up. From Absolutely, the big, from the big two, yes. right? From We're ta- well, from Marvel especially, because I DC, don't really. DC's had really. It's who I don't know. It's DC's. It's they've really had some trouble. Right. So, we all know that. So we're mostly focusing on Marvel, right? Events right now. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, they've, they've I, reset too often to really have anything like that going exactly. on. A long story, right? You know, because yeah. I'm thinking about like Final Days and and nope, the, too far back because well, none of that exists. I've got, I've got two Marvels Go off the top it. of my head. Go one, for of them, it. one of them is uh, Superior Spider-Man. That was, you know, almost two years worth of Doctor Octopus in Spider-Man's head. I you know will agree with you with that. You I tried to funny? get this mother from reading. You know what? what? I hated it. Read the first issue. Done. Really? I was like, no, screw this noise. <laughs> Ew. I, I loved now, it. And I now tell them what you did afterwards. I so, love that that thing danced around every event that Marvel was doing at the yes. time. Yes. And that that was a, a rare moment where Marvel just stepped back and they said, "You do your thing. We're not going to make you change anything because we believe in what you're doing." And I but I want them to have more faith in their writers to do yeah. that. Yeah. Kind of but stuff. the oh, thing with that I was that. I hated it because of just what happened. And I was a Peter Parker fanboy, and I was like, screw "He was this all, noise. I don't 
want to read it. Oh. <laughs> and then, the geek chat and then. then. And then once it was done and he had, you know, status quo was returned and my Peter Parker came back. <laughs> and when I bought them all half off at Comic-Con. Did you think he was never coming back? I knew he was going to come back. I, you know what I thought that was? I think it was a vacation. It was just a vacation from Spider-Man and the Spider-Universe. <laughs> but you missed out on a really good story. In the yeah. No, I didn't. But wait a minute. So, but wait a minute. Don't you think people are doing that same thing with Sam Wilson? Thank you. Or fill in the blank. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most Thor. Definitely. Thor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely so, yeah. a good book with Thor. Go so ahead. My, my other one was going to be, um, it started off uh, from uh, Fear Itself with uh, the Loki side story that they had. And that went into Loki's series. Journey into Mystery, right? Yeah, it went into Journey yeah. into Mystery. And then it went to the Loki solo series. And then it went into the Young Avengers series, which like that entire run. I mean, it's like it's across three different titles, but it was one pretty much one continuous story like that's yeah, one jump hard to the, do. the story started right from where the last one picked off and that's pretty hard to do yeah. in this nowadays but that was two writers who were really close and very similar writers like it wasn't it kieran gillen and, and colin uh, bunn colin bunn and uh was somebody else too wasn't matt fraction involved in all of I that i don't think so um i don't think he was there was a little bit because uh there was the tie-in with thor the burning world yeah 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 so there, there was. I mean, I think all three of those were really close, and I think when if you got three great writers tying in together, that you can have a beautiful, beautiful little baby event that is just brilliant. Event. That's the funny thing. It wasn't even an event. It no, was just. It, wasn't an, it, it was and, a and story, it, and it tied into events, but it never steered the story off its course. It was never overshadowed by the event. Yeah, which yeah. a lot of them are. Right. Do you have any you can think of that no. you've really loved? No. <laughs> no, not yeah. from Marvel. No, you've been enjoying some of them though. Some yeah, of the I books. mean, I I enjoy I enjoyed Secret Wars, but I don't want to go through it again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I that's the way I imagine people having babies are like, you know, it's like, oh, I love my little son, but oh, oh my no, God. I don't want to have another one. Are you talking that? Are you comparing? comic books to the childbirth because that's literally probably what it is. Every uh, secret year, wars every yes. year they're having a new baby the exactly baby is the event and they have and to we're we are it's having time pregnancy to, fatigue mm-hmm. that's what we're doing tie the tubes <laughs> wow. it is time well, you know when, they, tie the when tubes. they relaunched the uh ms marvel with uh uh kamala khan like she like they also allowed that to run outside of the events that were going on at the time they yeah. gave that up until Secret Wars, that was a continuous story yeah, the for whole about 18 issues or something yeah, like the, that. The, the Planet Hulk stuff, the... Um, oh, I loved Planet Hulk. I thought Planet Hulk was great. I did not like it at the beginning because I really couldn't get into the Hulk and I never saw his appeal. And then, of course, I read it in trade and I was just like, wow, this is fucking great. I and never liked the Hulk home, either, but no, no. I, the story of him on a planet but, having a wife and a child, I was like, exactly. what? So from that... <laughs> From that, from that on, I was a Hulk convert, and I read all of the Hulk with Amadeus Cho. I read when he went to with Hercules, and I read all of that. So for me, my events were uh, Chaos War, with or was that the one with Hercules? And that was, but that was kind of the finale of the big Hercules. That's archive. what I mean. Yeah. That whole thing was just like fantastic, beautiful. That all kicked off out of the um, World War Hulk. Yep. And I was just like, beautiful. That whole that whole um, series of books was was great for me. I don't know something about it in the Pantheon. It just really rung true to me. And uh, the other one was, uh, of course, uh, Annihilation Wave. That whole thing with um, um, the spawning out of um, 
Guardians of the Galaxy and then what DNA was doing. Fantastic. Well, that, there wasn't even a Guardians of the Galaxy at that point. There was not, Cosmic was dead and that that oh, kicked yeah. that re kicked, that kicked off part Cosmic again. I know, I know, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying but that just that whole that whole thing was I'm actually just... remembering they had uh so they had that and then they did Conquest and out of Conquest is where the all the Yeah, but but they had still had cuz um because what's his name was still doing stuff. I mean there was no full full on Guardians of the Galaxy, but but he they were doing what book were they doing before uh, Annihilation Wave? There was they were doing a book before Annihilation Wave um mm, hit and and then it went that whole the whole cosmic sagas kind of started out of that mm-hmm. and they were the architects of that and that was beautiful because what i loved about it was it had nothing to do with with uh terrestrial marvel it was just like it went annihilation conquest yeah yeah so just that was, well and then we had Warrior that really Kings. great that re- also another really great long run on uh guardians of the galaxy when yep. dna were writing that and they brought in adam warlock and you know it got to do its own thing without really being affected by anything else. Holy See, crap! I haven't read that. They but, brought in Al- Adam Warlock. Yeah, yeah. Oh Adam god. Warlock. Was oh my reborn. god! And they had lesbians in it. Moon oh my Dragon, god! Moon, Moon, Dragon, Moon Dragon and the new uh, Captain Quasar, uh, Captain Marvel. Phyla. Yeah, yeah, they were a lesbian couple, and it was amazing. They so how did again, you miss on this? I know, again, I know. You're all talking about things that are not. I mean, these are long form story. This is. This is why I wanted to pick this topic because the stories I grew up with and that I love rereading, I just sat and reread Inferno Part One last weekend. Well, those and are tough reads, though. No, they're actually not for me. The whole that eighty stuff. I mean, I look at it through rose-colored glasses and I love it, but sometimes, whew, but those are... for for me, especially what they were doing in the outback when they were so Dazzler was out singing at a bar. Like they had their own moments. Yeah, the small character moments. And yeah, you don't I see miss that anymore. Small character moments. Like when was the last time the X Men actually played baseball? Like it's been decades. You know? So it's little things like that 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 longtime readers like and that we can introduce new readers to, but that's not what they're going for. Because they know in their heart of hearts that people are going to pick up what they know, what they see in the movies, what they advertise and um and that's it, you know. And, you know. Are they going to stick with it though? No, I mean, because they're no. not. Because they know that issue five, six, seven. So why not invest? That's the thing. Thank you. I well, mean, what? that investment makes a lot more sense. You just have to be patient. But here's the thing: if, but if you, here's the thing: it, why would you invest if you know that after an event you can get at least five issues, trade paper that sucker up, and then sell it as a spine? And then do it all over again. But see, I, I feel like you say that. And yes, it's it's how it is. But it's not the way the medium should be. And no, if, no, I don't, and I but, agree with you. And if, I agree if with you they 100%. don't learn from what image, IDW, Dark Horse, if they're not, Aftershock is coming. Aftershock is coming for them. It's going to take a while. And I don't think they're ever going to be like huge. But if they can get their books going, they will. Why don't the other two? And you were right. It's all because about money in the movies. Because they're not threatened. They're not. They're not threatened. DC finally feels threatened, and that's why they. Well, are yeah, all they hands have to. On deck, okay. Didn't they? Be- didn't I just read they just slept? They're slipped to number three now. Like, well, no, no, they're still number two. They're, they're number, number two. two. Technically, they're, they're number close. Two. The, well, the problem is they keep losing their share market. They mm-hmm. keep losing their dollars, and they keep losing their piece of the pie. And Image, it was flat for a while, but. 
when Eric Stevenson took over, they're starting to rise. So their blip is going up. So any kind of it's a positive number. That's seen as a good thing. So well, they, just, they are pulling in the writers a, from the bigger from the big two. To oh yeah, tell yeah, their yeah, own. Yeah. Like, but it's Jonathan like, Hickman's Hickman, jumping ship. Yeah, Hickman's yeah. taking a break. It's just a huge discrepancy between the two and the three mark. Mm-hmm. So whether even though DC is dropping faster, uh, Image is not gaining enough ground to really do anything that hard. And Marvel is just like fuck all y'all, you know. But you want to know who's number one in trades? It's Image. It's Image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of fellow store owners are seeing. I, I my numbers don't lie. When it comes down to either comics ordered or dollars spent, DC in my store is number three. So the bad thing is that is really what Image in, or um, DC is seeing. DC is seeing that their numbers are like uh, we lost another piece of the market share, and they're putting out variant covers. I mean, Batman oh, Dark God, Knight three had like thirty covers, and it's the same as Star Wars. I mean. Frank and I were talking on Wednesday about the reason why people are, you know, the numbers. And Marvel says, well, events sell. But if you actually took out all the variants and if you took out all the gimmicks, then then um, no, you're not winning. I, I, as a retailer and as a fan, wish for one month there would be no variants because I really want to see where my favorite books fall. Because I have a feeling more people are reading the books I really like that we really like than the big events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's such a secondary market for va- for variants right now. It's disgusting. Yeah, and I shouldn't say it's disgusting because people really like it. But it's just <laughs> it's just so crazy right now. Like I never thought that variants would be like this. Never. I thought that got killed off in the 90s. And then it well, came no, back. No, yeah. The 90s gimmick, is what no, killed no, it. No, no, gimmick, yeah. no gimmick covers and shit like that. Well, var- variant it. covers, gimmick covers to get yes. you to buy like, multiple issues. And yeah, but they're, I mean, they're back. They're, people are treating them like they're collectible and they're not. No. I yeah. have never, I have never gone out of my way to buy uh, more than one issue. Like, oh, I want the variant cover and the other one. It's like, oh, I no, gotta I say, I own all f- what six, seven covers of X Force number one with the trading cards. <laughs> 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 you know you a, do, so don't you, know, you even throw eyes you know at me. Weird? I know you did. You know what's weird? Since they announced that movie, the price on those have been going up. Well, good because I got, I it's bought, I bought one crazy. of each and then one to open. It's bananas <laughs> how that's happening now. I was I freaked out. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah. Oh, I looked up on eBay. Yeah, and I was just like, "Oh," because I remember riding the bus over to Sierra Comics in Fresno on a Saturday, waiting in line until it opened to go in and get our five copies. Mm. <laughs> Do you think Marvel and DC are aiming more towards going digital than because they? It's actually, you can have these bumps and everything so long as you're not trying to worry about selling paper. You know, it, it, what, what do they care if, you know, uh, if a comic book store goes out of business? They don't. You know. They but, really don't. But so long as they can sell stuff on their Marvel app, then it doesn't matter what, what kind of crap that they're, they're putting out. Because think- of fans that love paper? It's never gonna. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that cut and dry. I think. I think oh, Marvel I for for whatever, you know, craziness that they're doing and DC and all these other places, there will always be a spot for for uh, comic book stores. I think there always will be for for a couple of reasons, but the main ones are people Variance. like tactile. 
people people like tactile stuff. They like to touch it. They like to own it. They like they like to put it in a slip bag because there's a ritual involved mm-hmm. with going and getting comic books. I mean, it, there is a ritual. What? Also, uh, Image, IDW, all these other places. I don't think they're set up to just say goodbye to retailers. Mm-hmm. You know, DC no. and Marvel no, might be. That's but, what I mean. That's what I mean. But no, I mean I think Marvel just they still have to be a part of this uh, of, of this. I'm sure if they could go all digital, they probably would because they would cut a ton of money off their top end for printing. Yeah. But, but I love they're not going to do that. I love my image partners and I love my IDW partners. They're both – they – you know, if I have a question or if I have a problem or if Diamond doesn't ship me something, they're the first to be like, what can we do to help? Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that really make it for me. I love them. So thank you all. I have one more question before we go. Um, will you be reading Civil War Two, Desmond? I have no idea. Most likely I will because it'll fall during us doing the Geek, the geek Chat, chat. <laughs> <laughs> on Mondays on MixLR from 6 to 7. Just, then, search the, the, just search the Geek Chat. So most likely I'll read it. Frank? But, yeah, I know Frank says huh? that you know he doesn't like the term event fatigue, but I have to tell you, I'm really, I'm really fatigued personally. But like I, like I said, is it, are, you, are you tired of having big stories or are you tired of how quickly they're coming in one after the other how quickly they're coming in one right after so the it's other. it's mm-hmm. your the frequency it's frequency fatigue not really no, you're not really I, tired of events in general you're tired of how, and tomatoes yeah yeah i think it's a little bit of a and a little bit of b like like terry was saying um, but so, if we could get like a like i said if, if we could get like a it doesn't have to be like a full 18 months but like a, a period of time after these events were like dark rain where you just had characters time characters getting their own stories mm-hmm. for you know more than six issues I think people. I think I would be a lot happier. I, I, I think, agree. Think I think you'd see a little bit less complaining online. In you general. just can't get any more money out of me. I mean, to tell you the mm-hmm. truth, tr- throw. You know, it's like if you if I buy this, then something else has got to go. And I love the something else's that I'm reading. I'm not gonna give up Hellboy. I'm not gonna give up BPRD. You know, I'll clutch it to my to my death. So it'll it'll depend totally on the writing. If the writing's good. Then yeah, I'll, I'll I'll pick it up, you know. But if after two issues, it's like yeah, this is crap, which is what I did with Original Sin. It's like I am out of here. Well, <laughs> thank you all. I hope that you listeners can uh, can appreciate what we're saying and have any views, or if you have views, I should say, go to our Facebook page, look up the Geek Chat, make sure you find the group, and uh, tell us what you think of this. Yeah, so thank you so much for tuning in and checking out our roundtable. This will be a normal thing that we're going to do. We're still trying to decide how frequently, but at least once a month. Because, you know, we like to have other opinions talking about the stuff that most of you comic book uh, listeners find interesting. Uh, Like Rich said, please join us on our Facebook group, The Geek Chat. And please take a listen to our normal our regular uh, podcast, which is on Mix LR on Mondays from 6 to 7. You can also take a listen to our Point 5, which will be posted on Saturday afternoons. So, uh, again, my name is Desmond. I'm Rich. I'm Frank. Lesbian Agenda Terry. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll be talking to you soon again. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. The Geek Chat. Round, 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 round table. Round, 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 round table. Marvel DC image. Marvel DC image. Marvel DC image.